Hello, everybody. Welcome to week six. Chris, is week week six? It could be week three. I don't know. Yeah, it, it seems like it's, it's starting to blend together a little bit. Welcome to Tiger Riley Report recap here at TigerMileyReport.com, which we'll get to a little bit later. Royal Hogan's song time is Chris Brown. And tonight we have a, a gentleman with us who's going to be with us for the summer, David, who uh, I want you can introduce yourself here in a second and give a little bit of background on himself. But he's our intern. I don't want, I'm not going to call it Dave the intern. He's David. So David. Intern David. Yeah, intern David. He is going to be writing a prospect reports for us. He's going to be learning the ins and outs of broadcasting podcasting everything you name think of it and so he'll be getting questions and hopefully we'll give him the lot i think you know what chris i think I might, we might have to put him in the locker be our locker room person correspondent when he goes, so after after a game like david go down to the locker room that's what you're gonna do mm-hmm. we're gonna you go down there with us and if you ask for an autograph you're automatically fired and that means <laughs> but uh, all kidding aside welcome david and david knows a lot about baseball but I'll let him, as LeBar Burton once said on Reading Rainbow. Don't, you don't have to take my word for it. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. David, go ahead and take away. Talk a little bit about your background, how you got into baseball. I appreciate you having me here for the summer. It's a privilege. Yeah, I believe blue and orange. I've been a Tigers fan since probably, I would say, like 2008. Back in the um, – Oh, God. I can't remember the utility guy's name that we had. Like, Adam Everett. Yeah. Nice. B- b- back in the Adam Everett days. Those are, Unfortunately, those... he was not the utility guy. He was the everyday shortstop, but he, with that utility bat, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it must be mixing him up, but yeah. No, Um, been a, been a Tiger fan for quite a while. Yeah, I love the farm system, too. Definitely a Casey Crosby fan. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I. If there is there anything specific you'd like to know? Did you know? By the way, David used to pitch. Was a pitcher in high school. Uh, we don't have to tell you what high school, but you were a pitcher in high school. And did you play? What other positions you played in high school? I can't remember. I think you told me. I couldn't remember. I was a primary second baseman. I, I pitched okay. here and there, but um, yeah, I I really stuck it out with the um men's league for DSMBL. That's it. That was that was my home league for quite a while, but yeah, it, life's getting life's getting in the way. But yeah, baseball is definitely what keeps me going a lot. Awesome. He has a uh, three wooden bats within a reach of his hand, as he showed us right before the podcast started. And, and yeah, there was a black one, and there was a nice route. There was there was another one in there. I think it was. I, I don't know. Either way, uh, David knows his baseball, and uh, Jeremy well, says. What's up in the YouTube chat, though? So if you want to join us on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Tiger Mining Report. And the website will be launching. The website is done. I just have to, we have to put some content out there. So expect that some content coming out here in the next couple of days is uh, we're going to be redoing our top 25 prospects. David will be in on that process. So will Jake Bose, who we talked to last week, and he's getting ready to chomp at the bit to go back out there. So that being said, looking across the system this week, there's been some Good productions. We also saw that Lakeland does have a camera. It's now been confirmed that Lakeland has a camera, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, that was out yet for yesterday's performance for Christian Santana. Nice Pacheco. We'll get in that a little later. The Woo Sox were in town against Toledo. Let's start there with the Mudhens. 
as Matt Manning pitched today, pitching three innings, one hit, four strikeouts. And I don't know if you guys had a chance to see, I posted over at Woodward Tigers, but uh, Chris, I'll start with you. Matt Manning is supposed to get a couple starts in Toledo until he is ready to go back. Yeah, I don't know if we got velocity readings on that. Did you? Were they posting them? I didn't see anything. No. Um, it doesn't really matter that much. The main thing with Madden or Manning is is you want to see him healthy and pitching, and that's what he did. He would have give up one hit over three innings, four strikeouts. Yep. Like, oh yeah, was... you know, he, he struggled a lot in Toledo last year before he was called into action. Having him perform well in his first outing is nice, uh, but really, yeah, just it's about him making sure he's healthy and getting them back up to the big leagues. Although, I don't know, we, we don't have to get in too much, but the pitching certainly hasn't been the problem for the Tigers this year. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if especially another nominee for a farmhand of the day is definitely a Ricardo Pinto for Toledo. Really, really, um, not going to say what pitch for pitch with Manning, but um, really, really carried on the game pretty well. I had two walks, two walks, two strikeouts, so... Really did decent over three innings. It's he hasn't really. This is his first like long outing of the year, and he's had like, even though he's had like eight. Ryan Lavarnere really carried the squad. I'm really appreciating seeing him getting it together with the bat. Um, yeah, over overall decent game for Toledo. I it was like you alluded to, Chris. It was nice to see Manning. He was. I, I was watching the game a little bit. It was, he was staying in the zone a lot. He was keeping all the curveballs down. He, he, he was releasing a little bit early in the fastball. It looked like you you saw him. A lot of them were just riding right out of the zone. But overall, I think he looked really solid. If he, I think he needs one more like stretch outing, but I, I think he could be coming back soon. Hey, you bring up a good point there, David, about this fastball. That was something that apparently some people on Twitter were noticing that was not it was not hitting the quadrants and what have you. And again, first time out, I. I I like that he had a curveball on the ins- uh, lefty that did pretty well, but not going to read much into that, but it was just good to see that he was throwing. And, and Chris makes a good point. The pitching certainly not the, the problem here with the Tigers. It's the bats. And saw that Jack Lopez had that, had a, I think it was a double. Or, yeah, it was yeah, a double. Okay. Yeah, it was double. But other than that, as far as the bats were concerned, I guess I was looking at the – Somebody was telling me that Daz Cameron's on a nine-game hitting streak. Ten games now. Yeah. Ten games but now. It, wow. It, but oh, right. uh, it's one of those ten-game hitting streaks that raises your batting average to 230 and your OPS to 600. Yeah, he. Yeah, it's nice to see him performing better, but it's not. There's not a whole lot of impact behind it. So. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it was he, a, and, oh, go ahead, David. Sorry to interrupt you. I was just going to say it's even though yeah, it was one for four game, which you never really like to see. It was a double. It's I I wasn't I can't remember if it was like a hard hit one or not, but still it's like any extra base hit's decent, even though like you said, like you never like to see a hitting streak go forward with a one for four day, but I, Tigers yeah. fans would take just about anything right now. They had one hit today in the big leagues. A ten game hitting streak up, sounds magic. Call up Ryan LeBarnway. Or, or well, this, yeah, <laughs> or the case of uh, it, over the last couple of weeks, another guy who's been having a good last couple of weeks is John Valenti, who is over is close to three hundred now. He is in the month of May, he is batting four sixty two, five thirty three, and five thirty eight. 
And that goes for, if you do the math at home, it's six for 13 this month as uh, he is playing third base, which correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, I don't remember him playing a lot of third base last year. Or did he? He's played third base in the past. I, I view him mostly as a second baseman That's or I think, outfielder, but yeah. I, I want to say that third base was what he was drafted as, but no, it's kind of funny. Like, you find out that he's hitting 300 and shocks nobody who's paid attention because what yeah. they call him down to 300. He was like a 350 hitter in college. He's like a 300 lifetime hitter in the minors. And who was it? Greg Ganey last week told us he's going to be in the majors one day for, he doesn't know for how long or what he's going to do, but somebody's going to call him up at some point because he can hit. He, he falls out of bed and hits 300. And that's another one where, like, yeah, I don't know if it's going to work at the big leagues. You'd think that a guy with this sort of track record would have already made his way through the system and into the, the majors. There must be something that's holding him back there to scouts. As we like to say right now, desperate times. Who knows? Maybe he's got a hot bat and they just go, what the hell? Bring him up. But it seems yeah, unlikely. He lit, the, he lit the board up pretty decently at Erie last year, didn't he? Yeah. If, I yeah. Thought, if I remember correctly, yeah, he did pretty decent. I think he I mean, ended up getting injured. I'm pretty sure he hit 300. Or did he? Yeah. yeah. He spent he does, yeah. the aisle. That's what Valenti do. Yeah. <laughs> and no, and, and Valenti, one of those things about Valenti, too, that I, I certainly can appreciate is the fact that it is a guy who is role, does an undefined role, and he might be under the radar. I don't know. But as far as organizational depth is concerned or what have you, He's not on any top prospect list or anything, but the fact he goes out there and just does what he has to do, at some point you have to would he, will he be part of the Detroit, you know, the TMLR top twenty-five list? Yeah, so there's you know there's he also walks a decent amount. Yeah. He doesn't have a ton of power, but it, there's like a there's like a Harold Castro with walks vibe to him. Like he's gonna put the bat on the ball and maybe walk a little bit and play all over the field. Harold Castro was a prospect in his younger 20s and then fell off prospect lists and was basically an org guy. And then suddenly he's been in the majors for the last few years. And you never know. And Valenti gets a chance, maybe a couple of injuries, comes up and, and performs. And suddenly he's the Harold Castro for the next three years. It's I, I, it's entirely possible, I think. But again, I wouldn't put him on a, a prospect list, but he can hit. That's rare these days. Yeah. Are, are you guys ready to talk about the Tigers today, or are you, are you going to need some bereavement time? Uh, you know, we can we can let's we can talk about the Tigers for a minute because I know <clears throat> rather that we are technically we are the, the we do a minor league overview, but we have to talk about the Tigers well, a little bit because yeah, you're right, David. Because yeah, even I, mean, I did an article earlier today on Woodward Tigers about the lack of power and that being an issue, and it's the second time I've written it, but it's. The, there was an uh, there was a tweet ah, there was a tweet that talked about them hitting it into the ground and that caused that problem. But today was one of those days where it, it, I, I I sat there I'm watching the game in my office I got my multi setup thing going and yada yada and all I could all I was thinking of and I don't know if you've ever seen this movie because you're young and um. Yeah, you're relatively. I don't know. I will see. We'll test you on Maybe. this. I mean, let's see here. You should. Hopefully, you've seen this movie. We got one goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. Have you seen that movie? You know what that oh, is? Oh come on! It, 
what kind of baseball fan do you think I am? Of course, I've seen Major League. All right, I'm just, I'm just testing you, testing you, just making sure. But yeah, one hit, and that was a scope double, and that was his second hit. He's now let's see, it was like two for twenty eight or two for twenty nine over yeah. the last few weeks. Go ahead, Chris. What are you gonna say? Well, that's the thing. Like, it, it's so weird. Right? We were talking yesterday. Uh, about how I was somewhat encouraged. They only scored two runs, but they had 10 or 11 hits. And I was like, I was encouraged by that, that they put together some hits, yes. got some doubles. Uh, but baseball, of course, there's no such thing as momentum, right? So they come out today with one hit. But Jonathan Scope is one of the guys we've been complaining about the most, the guy he, he needs to produce. And he hasn't been at all, but like the last couple of games, he's actually hitting the ball hard again, which is a good start for him. He had yeah. some uh, poor luck. And today he gets the only hit. <laughs> We'd like for everybody else to contribute to if possible. Can we, we work on that? But yeah, it's, I don't know. It, they certainly aren't trying to hit the ball on the ground. I don't think that's AJ Hinch's philosophy. And if the hitting right. coach, if, if that was school, uh, Scott Kulba's philosophy, he wouldn't be the Tigers hitting coach. And it's not like they're not trying to get hits or squirrely. It's just right. very frustrating. And baseball is just not meant for people who live and die with every single game. It feels awful right now because they can't score any runs. They get the worst offense in baseball. But I, I don't know. I, like it, at some point, it's just going to stop being awful, and it'll be fine again. I don't know if it'll be good, but people just have to wait for it to happen. I don't know how else. It, as much as fans are bothered by it, it's got to be hanging over that that locker room like a cloud of smoke from like a '70s uh, poker club. <laughs> yeah, it's. I, you're touching on momentum. It's like I really thought we were putting something together after that game two at the Dodgers. It's all teams of the Dodgers. It's like we had to really work. We we really worked as a team. Real really put it together to pull out that win against Dave Roger Dave Roberts acclaimed 2022 World Champions. And uh, yeah, it's you really thought something was going to happen after that, but unfortunately, just the 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 Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. I need this to say. <laughs> no, and it's that's a good way to put it. And but it's also I look at it this way: if you're a fan telling up the Candelario scope or Castro need the D- DFA, then who do they bring up? I, I keep saying that, but there's just some of the you have to walk away from social media for a little while to just look at it for the sense of this team is trying, just nothing's working. I was looking at Jonathan Scope's where his in terms of swing plane. And looking at where he's swinging in the middle, he's still missing pitches right down the middle. And he's not, his number, there's an ISO drop from last year about the same time. So, and, and Jeremy, I like the way he said it. They're just, they're pissed that they need to know the performance. Like you said, when it happens, it'll happen. It'll be fine just at least. You're right. When it starts going, it'll go. But what we did see this weekend was two quality starts. Eduardo Rodriguez and Tarek Skubal. And that, again, the pitching has not been a problem. The bullpen imploded on Friday with Soto and then Fulmer on Saturday. Or was it? Or oh. no, I'm sorry. Oh, Soto on Thursday, Fulmer on Saturday. Maybe that got the right. Or... I'm not going to say that game was Fulmer's fault. Right. Um, there's, a, there's a little bit of argument with that. But yeah, I wouldn't say that was Fulmer's fault. Just, he, he gave it everything he had. That's what I'm going to say about it. What one of the tough things to do, and, and it, we'll get back to the minors in a little bit, but like 
the, the knee-jerk reaction, of course, is this has been a long rebuild. That it's not working. Uh, fire Avila or whatever. And then you, if you look at the off-season moves, they all seem to be working fairly well. Like Eduardo Rodriguez didn't have a, a great couple outings to begin the season, but he's been perfectly acceptable. Like exactly what you wanted. Like six innings. Was it one and run? Yeah, yeah. He's been very good. Uh, Scoople take, took a step forward. Baez has provided a, a ton of big moments for him. He's, he's a streaky guy. We knew that, but the, the defense has yeah. been there just about every game, and he's had huge hits. Meadows has been great, apart from not hitting home runs. People were upset with Barnhart, thinking his defense is overrated and he wasn't getting on base, but he's, he's you know, done a, a little bit better. Andrew Chafin has been fine in his short outings. Like, every move they made was solid. They just, it, nothing is working. And I, I don't know what to do with that as, as like an outside analyst who just watches the team and tries to figure out what's going on. I don't know what you do as a coach. I don't know what you do as a player other than just go back the next day and try again. Uh, so it's definitely a, a really frustrating place to be right now. And if not for the Reds being an absolute debacle, the Tigers would be the worst team in baseball right now, which is not uh, where anybody expected or wanted them to be. Oh, yeah. This is, yeah, I hate to bring this up because I'm, I'm still not over it, but I'd hate to I, I'd hate to compare it to this, but this is 2015 all over again. It's I don't know if either of you guys remember that season, but like, yeah, we had the we had like the second year of Price, and we brought in Cespedes and Alfredo Simon. We addressed all the needs of 2014, like better bullpen and all that. We brought on Tom Gorzolani, and they yeah, addressed all the needs, but like, where did that get us? Like a big old last place and a complete teardown. It's, like I said, I'm not going to compare it to that. The team, the scheme, schematic of the team is a lot different now, but like you said, Chris, I'd like to think this is going to, there's going to be a bright spot of the season soon because the team's gelling really well, but yeah, it's just unfortunate that we got to, we just got to wait it out, wait out the storm. Out the storm. Sorry, that was some Ariel's <laughs> feet in there, but no, it's, it, it, again, and Chris pointed out, Eduardo Rodriguez, Avila signing, it's worked out well. Austin Meadows and uh, the yeah. Alavila trade again, and, and I know it, war. Yeah, sorry, the top no, the two uh, hitters, hitters by war are Meadows and Baez. Exactly, yeah. but then uh, it's like I said, it's maddening when Hinch when it goes well. Everything's it's all Hinch. Uh, AJ Hinch is doing great, fantastic, fantastic. And again, it's if it sounds like being an Alavila defender, I'm not. It might sound that way, but look. Bottom line is this: the guy we know. I've written numerous articles. I've gotten, in, and one of them have gotten me in trouble. So about Alavila, I'm at, at, right now as it stands. You get a, okay. So let's say the Tigers fire Alavila. Okay, let's say hypothetically that happens. So you have Jay and Sam, who are underneath Al right now. They take over, and again, you would see you would have to wait a while before changes would have to be made. So that's going to take some time. And then, when, and then what is he called? Rebuild all this naming, labeling, all this crap. That's just unnecessary. They'll go back and forth. And <laughs> I like this comment in our YouTube channel. Cord Melanie, Cord Melanie, uh, Yuki, like lady. Come on, Roger. Anyway, call or going to get rid of the termites and the tiger's bats. I like that. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, mean, they're swinging, swinging wet newspapers right now. Um, yeah. Like I, I, I don't yeah. know. Like, I, 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 in, in my head, this is, they 
set themselves up for a two-year window, basically, with the Baez opt-out, with the Erod opt-out, with Chafin's here two years, Grossman's gone after this year, Miggy's contract is up uh, after next year. They, there's a lot of things happening. Candelario will be a free agent. Uh, so if the things don't work out this year, I assume that the Vila would get one more year at least, but maybe they just start tearing it down and trading the veterans and stuff now and trying to, you know, reconfigure. But it, it's, I don't know, it's way too soon to even consider that. We, we talked, I don't even think the most optimistic fans, maybe some optimistic fans thought they were going to, you know, win 90 games this year, but most people, all the projections had them under 80 wins, I think. And most people were around 80. This is a 500 team. So it's, I don't know. I think people got uh, too excited uh, about a team that still has some deep flaws. And basically what they were doing was they were taking below average players and trying to get average at uh, most spots. And they're going to have to continue upgrading along the line to, to become a playoff team. But I don't know. It, it, people just expected that, I think, sooner. They didn't expect to get to this giant hole where – are they 10 games out of first now? Yeah. Seven games? Something like yeah. that. Yeah, it's tough. And if you, look at some, if you look at some of the numbers, too, like the hard hit contact I brought up today – they're dead last in hard hit contact. And so why is that relevant to the conversation? Simply this. They're also one of the in terms of barreling up the ball. They're one of the worst at doing so. You could talk about launch angle. Tampa's got a 9.7 launch angle. Tampa's good at math. I'm not. And so they're somehow be able to win with that. But the Tiger, in terms of looking at how the Tigers are one of the worst teams in barreling up the ball right now. So you need that power. You Right now, at, at, at this point last year, they had, I think, like 26, 27 home runs. They have 11. And the hard-hit contact did not come – that increased until later. But then there's something else that seems to be gone in the wayside. The outfield was towards the bottom of the pack in home runs as a group last year. So was third base. So yeah, was shortstop. Much. Yes. Does that count Haas? Does it count Haas? That's a good, that's a very good question. I guess and you, you I'll, probably spent more time at catcher than outfield, but and, and, sorry to interrupt, but yeah, yeah. you know, Grossman yeah. had 20 home runs, but and Haas had 20 something, but he was probably mostly a catcher. So in terms of, yeah, see how, it's, it, how StatCast did it, or excuse me, how the fan graphs did it was rather peculiar, but let me see here. Let me make sure I have this make sure I have this right. Let me pull it up again. So one of the things about the offense last year going into 2022 was they would have to address not only shortstop, but they would have to, I was thinking maybe, Hey, you know what? Get an outfield, maybe get a bat. They're 29th in the league last year in home runs from the outfield at 53. So as a collective, so then at second base, because scope was listed as a first baseman, which I thought was strange. He played mostly first base last year, right? Was it majority of first base? Yeah. You're right. Yeah. The, by the way, the Angels had two home runs from the second base last year. Two. Uh, oh, David fact. Fletcher. Yeah, Dave Fletcher. <laughs> David Fletcher. Dave Fletcher. He played third base, didn't he? If I'm not mistaken. He, he probably filled in for uh, what Rendon. Yeah, because he went he went down with the hip. Yeah, that's year. right. Yeah. Yeah. And who did who else did it? Was it Rengifo? Rengifo. Yeah, Luis Rengifo. Yeah, and yeah, they had another guy. They brought in a minor league signing. Yeah. Uh, Name doesn't come to mind, but yeah, their infield was largely a short from short from Brandon Marsh. Was is that their was that their first baseman or their outfielder? Or no, uh, Marsh is outfielder. Walsh. I think you're thinking of uh, Jared Walsh, which is yeah, Jared Walsh, a Marsh the, sounding name. Walsh and Marsh. 
Yeah. That the heir to Albert Pujols and David Fletcher. Yeah. That was a, that essentially the Angels outfield last year. So when I addressed that in the article today, there's there was more problems. They addressed every single problem, but if we're gonna be Captain Hindsight here, I still thought that the depth coming into twenty even before the Austin Meadows trade happened, the outfield, if you look down in Toledo, you look down at Erie, there if there was an injury, they would be screwed. And it's exactly how it played out when Riley Reed went down. And they did not again, I thought maybe just getting a thumper, just somebody out there that could hit in the outfield would be ideal. But right now we can't we can't dwell on it. It's, it's past. Maybe that thumper could be a Cody Clements who had, uh, he had a, a bizarre week down in Toledo. So he, he what did he go five for 20? I'm looking, yeah, five for 20, no doubles, no home runs, but three triples. So he's now, he's got four triples on the season, which is tied for second in all of minor league baseball. And one thing, that's still early on, but there's some kind of bizarre, like David mentioned, you know, his strikeouts are still there. His walk rate is just uh, way down this year. It's down to like three, 4%. And he was normally like a reliably, average walk rate guy but he's also he's making more contact i didn't look at this his swing number so i'm wondering if he's just swinging a lot more and the result is his batting average is 50 points higher than it was last year and and he's got he's got six home runs and eight doubles and four triples like he's batting the ball all over the park so we get a lot of questions about him i don't think i think one of the questions is like when's he coming up and uh, i don't know i don't think they view him as that spark plug offensive player, I think they view him as a, a basically an injury replacement who could play himself into a regular role if he hits. But at a certain point, they do have to just start trying things. Oh, yeah, that was, oh. Uh, or, What's that? Yeah, that was uh, Hinch's philosophy last year of the like kind of the putting names into a hat and dumping it out and sorting it out into nine, and that was what your lineup was for the game. Yeah, but yeah, and. In terms of Clemens, though, it's you look at the line, and it's, he has four walks to thirty-one strikeouts. It's that's a that's something I'd like to see get sorted out. It's it, it, I know baseball is a lot of hits. But you you got to find other ways to get on base, and it's unfortunately you'd hate you'd hate to see Jacoby Jones two point where if he wasn't. <laughs> If he wasn't getting hits to get on base, there wasn't very much else after that. But uh, that's something I'd like to see out of Cody Clemens. And as I alluded to before, it's I like to think he's enough of an athlete to handle left field. But like when you look at the when you look at Comerica Park, you got to be a different type of outfielder to handle that those gap to gap hits. Clemens will he's made some surprisingly solid plays. He made a, a nice diving catch out in left field earlier in the season. He seems he's got that. I don't know, you just call it like a gamer. Like you, you put him anywhere and he's going to play fast and do decent uh, on defense. But yeah, I, I don't think I don't think you want him as your everyday left fielder in Comerica. I, I think, I guess what people would hope for, and, and I think he does have the track record of walking. Like I said, he, he just, for whatever reason this year, it's just like, no, I'm just going to swing. And so far it's working for him. But yeah, that, that's not a good indicator of future success by any means. But uh, yeah, yeah it's basically like, all right, is, is it Cody Clemens or is it Willie Castro or Harold Castro? Are we taking one of those guys and, and playing them all over the field? Because uh, I don't think they would want to bring Cody Clemens up and put him on the bench four, four times a week. So they would want to move him around, have him play second, have him play third, have him play the outfield. 
and, and a lot of it, and a lot of it with all these guys, it's always like, okay, when you bring them up, what's your corresponding move? And for some people, it's easy enough to say, hey, we're tired of the Castros or whatever, but AJ Hinch has, has shown that he likes both of those guys in, in some capacity. And I think a lot of what governs AJ Hinch's approach is uh, home runs, which is funny because they have none this year, but we saw it earlier in the year, like he, he pinch hit with Dustin Garneau instead of Victor Reyes in a game. And then he afterward, he said, yeah, he's the one who can change the game with, with one swing. Like, uh, Which so, he did uh, once or twice last year, like almost yeah. literally once or twice. But yeah, Dustin Garneau really came out of nowhere. And he re- pledged that philosophy you were talking about. But yeah, it's like, even when he was like the manager in Houston, you could see it. It's like, you know, when you have a lineup of largely home run based hitters, like even in 2017, sans the controversy, you look at that lineup and you're like, yeah, that really pledges the runs by home runs philosophy. I think I looked today that the the Astros top three or four of their lineup had as many home runs as the Tigers did as a team. Jordan Alvarez and Bregman and, and yeah, man, like Jeremy Pena has what, six home runs this year? Mm-hmm. It's just... Uh, really killing but, it with the soundboard. Nice. <laughs> the other, the other thing. So we saw you mentioned Manning. That was the biggest starting news. We we did see who got called up. Terry Carpenter got called up to Toledo. He didn't play. Dane Myers also got called up this week. He played a little bit, but yeah, I don't know if those are truly impactful moves. Joey Wentz had kind of a wild outing where he he struck out eight batters and at one point struck out seven in a row. And, uh, and then they pulled him after four innings and I don't know, it was like 53 pitches. So it's, there's been speculation that they're going to call him up to have him start one of these doubleheader games or call him up to do something. Uh, yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll see that soon. What was funny was, is that just how the day that he did that, ironically enough, it was, we were talking the hinge in, in the clubhouse in the, excuse me, in the dugout. I'm not allowed in the clubhouse as of yet, but hopefully mm-hmm. I'll come soon. But uh, we're talking to him in the – yeah, fingers crossed. Absolutely, David. So we're talking about that in a little bit and where he was mentioned with one of the names that could possibly get a call up at some point soon between – at the time, this was for Fado's first start, too. And I thought Fado was going to go down to Houston, but then there was going to be a bullpen start. But either way, he I think Fado will be – Fado is going to be scheduled starter for Tuesday, I believe. I saw. Yeah, that's a, is that the doubleheader? Yeah, I think I saw Evan uh, Evan Pitzold from the free tweet out. Who's, yeah. yeah. That doubleheader against the A's? Yeah, this will be the third doubleheader of the season. Because, oh, like, yeah, he he'll made, be the 27th man. Yeah. He, he made a start yesterday for Toledo, didn't he? If I'm not mistaken. Not Fiedo. Um, or I think – was it Fiedo? He, I think he made a start for Toledo whether in the recent two days. Was it, who started yesterday? I thought it was Chase Anderson that started. Oh. Yeah, when did Fido start for the Tigers? He started. Uh, that was last week. That was in the that was the Pirates doubleheader. No, Rodriguez started yesterday for Toledo. Elvin Rodriguez. Yeah. No, not okay, Elvin. Navaldo Rodriguez. Navaldo, yeah, sorry, not Navaldo. Yeah. yeah, sorry. I must so, be getting my days mixed up. Then I I could have sworn I saw him somewhere. Yeah. Did it? Yeah. Did it, what did Evan tweet out exactly on there? Anybody? I didn't see that, but I'll take a look. Right. So, as far as uh, or excuse me, as far as Toledo goes, they are now over. They're back to they're back to five hundred, and they are in terms of just 
as a team, it's like I said, it's a veteran laced team. There's not a lot of prospects, which is why if it does, if it feels like we go through a skip over or quickly overview of Toledo, it's not the case. It's just because unlike last year, it's like how it was the beginning of last year. It was the same thing with Toledo, but Toledo will get interesting as time goes on. But the Carpenter theory, this is my Carpenter theory. And I, I, I told Chris this last night and David, I'm going to tell you this theory. It's just a theory. I have no, it's just irresponsible speculation. So here we go. I think that they brought up Kerry Carpenter. So a corresponding move will happen where somebody from Toledo, whether it's Daz Cameron, I said Cody Clemens, but Cody Clemens gets a call up and Carpenter takes his place. It's just a theory. I, I, again, whether it's true or not, I, we'll see. That's bold. I, I, I like it. As far as the starters go for the Oakland series, like with Aya, Panea, yeah, I always, I always second guess myself. Takes on Paul Blackburn, who's doing pretty well for him. Game one of the doubleheader, Derek Skubal against uh, Frankie Montez, who a lot of Tiger fans wanted. I thought it'd be good in, in uniform. Game two, TBA or TBD versus TBD. Wednesday, TBD versus <laughs> Zach Logue. And on Thursday, Bo Brisky against. James Kepperlin. Yeah. Yeah. But then Evan, uh, yeah, he speculates that it's going to be Fido start gaming to a uh, game two of the uh, doubleheader on Tuesday. And Wednesday started expected to be a pitcher from AAA Toledo. So that would be Jimmy Wins, Logan Shore, Nivaldo Rodriguez. I don't know. We'll see. It'll be interesting if they pass over wins. I wanted I wanted to talk about Bo Brisky real quick because he has been a an absolute pleasant surprise for the Tigers rotation as of late. It's like he was doing um, stellar in Toledo before we brought him up, but yeah, it, it was nice to see him taking accountability, even though it was largely the offense's fault for the loss today. It was, but yeah, he he's been able to make it pitch for pitch with his opposing starter and all of us even when you're on a stage like Los Angeles and you can go pitch or pitch with Kurt, Clayton Kershaw, it's, it's nice to see that he has like the medal to be a major league starter. When like, a year ago, it's like nobody even know who Bo Bursky was before he won like minor league pitcher of the year. Or was that was it Tigers minor league pitcher of the year? Yep. Yeah. He was Tigers minor yeah. league pitcher of the year. It was funny because we were talking about that Saturday with Dan Hasty on air that around this time last year, we took our first trip to West Michigan. It was really cold. And we ended up getting a – we stayed at a, uh, Airbnb. We watched the entire weekend. Brisky – again, I credit to Jacob Bose who noticed right away what he could do. But it was so strange because I think <laughs> it was supposed to be a Hugh Smith start. And there's, oh, God. There it is. Chris, first time I made a Hugh Smith joke <laughs> in a couple of weeks now. It was a, and it's not a joke. It's no knock on Hugh Smith. but Yeah. Yeah, no, we it, just – It became like a running thing. Yeah, we're gonna see him, and he was just—he was Kaiser Soze. Yeah, gone. Did somebody from Toledo retire this week, or? Oh, uh, JT Perez. Yeah, the lefty. Yeah, they. uh, And he was a minor league free agent signing. They also—we didn't talk about that. We haven't got to West Michigan yet, but they released Ray Rivera, so that's another punching bag gone. Unfortunately, he gave him some home runs. That was fun, but uh, yeah, second round pick from 2017. 2017 draft. uh, Crazy son of a bitch, you did. <laughs> the 2017 draft paint is dry in that one. It's Fido, Vest, and uh, Drew Carlton, maybe. And that's about it. 
you said Ronaldo Rivera? Yep. Oh man, I didn't even know. <laughs> That's a shocker. Yeah, they uh, sneaked that one out there. It was uh, I don't remember what what other moves they made that day. It was it was along with a couple other moves, and I was like, yeah, Ray, Ray Rivera has been, he's been on the injured list, and then they released him. So. Uh, all-time leader in home runs for the Whitecaps, I believe. He's the crash. He's the crash Davis of the Whitecaps. You know, I haven't checked to see if he, he's going to catch on somewhere else. I don't know if he wants to keep playing or what. But uh, uh, I, I don't yeah. know. I say shocker phonetically. Honestly, I'm surprised it took the system this long. It's like, yes, it, yes, it was. I was there's a shred of me that was holding out hope for him because he's a second round pick, and you, you always want to have a deep draft. But um, just he was really starting to become like the. I'm not even going to say Walmart. I'm going to say like dollar store Joey Gallo. Like when he wasn't hitting home runs or walking, he wasn't really, he wasn't doing very much else. And there, he never really had a solid defensive spot. He was supposed to be, he was drafted as a first baseman, if I'm not mistaken. And then they tried moving him to the outfield to try and find a spot for him somewhere, but just never panned out, unfortunately. There was a, by the way, we I got last year a good video on him because there was a change in his swing plane, and that's where he started getting some more home runs. And I, honestly, we don't want to root for anybody not to, or obviously not to fail, or excuse me, to fail in there or anything, but it was good to see they made the adjustments, but I think it was a little too late at that point. And so, I, again, it's with the organization, like we've said this last year, and, and it bears repeating, there is a different type of, way the minor leagues are being constructed right now among the Tigers, whether it's we're starting to see the results with Brisky is a fine, prime example of that but on the hitting side, I think it's going to take a while, but on the pitching side, we did see that. And that kind of segues into what we saw in Erie this week as the Seawolves were at home this week against one of the best teams in the Eastern league, the Altoona curve who have several top of the pirates prospects, several of the top prospects, in the Pirates system, minus, of course, uh, Onel Cruz, who is in the Indianapolis runner going, what the hell am I doing here? Why am I here? And when the hell am I going to get up to Pittsburgh? But that's another story and another sad organization for another day. So that being said, Wolves, we had Greg. By the way, Greg was fantastic last week. One of our – it was one of those things where we always have a guest on. Someone was talking to Chris about yesterday – I was talking to Chris yesterday – on the way up to uh, Lansing. And, oh, yeah, shout out to you. Hence highlights here. Good to see you in the YouTube chat. But uh, when we have a guest on for the first time, it always goes a little awkward because we're trying to feel them out and trying to understand their cadence and how they talk and, and how comfortable they are. And Greg stayed with us the entire show. He asked, he answered questions or anything, and he was fantastic. And uh, he uh, basically was calling me, calling us all, hey, when do you guys come in the Erie? So we'll be going to Erie next week. You know, we challenge accepted next weekend. So it was just fantastic to have him on. And a guy who understands the game, does a really good job calling the games at, in Erie. Chris, what are you going to say? Oh, just, yeah. Tigers fans are very fortunate. They have two of the three full-time minor league announcers. And Jim Weber is a legend, Hall of Famer in Toledo. But he's not, I don't think he has a future in the majors, as it were, because he's done 6,000 straight games in Toledo. He's been there since 1975. But Greg Gagne and Dan Hasty are two of the best announcers in minor league baseball and both could be major league announcers. Yeah. You don't see that. But part of it is there's just so few jobs that there are a lot of guys who are overqualified throughout the minors, but there are a lot of guys who are not qualified at all in the minors too. 
And so, yeah, Tigers fans, uh, you know, th those people who get to tune into the minor league broadcast or just hear the voices and the clips we put out uh, should realize that these are, these are two really good announcers. And uh, they probably both will be in the majors at some day. It, it, it's tough. You take any job you can get, obviously. They'd love, I'm sure they both love to do the Tigers. But if you have to do the Marlins, you do the Marlins because you're in the majors. Yeah. Just enjoy them while they're there, I think. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think, is it Paul Severino? He's on the mic right now for the Marlins, correct? Or is it? I think it is. I couldn't tell you who's on the, the Marlins right now. I know that uh, Rod Allen is down there doing crowd yeah. work, I think. Yeah, I know they they brought in an MLB network personality for the mic. I just can't put my finger on who. But yeah, but just to touch on Erie real quick before you, before either of you say anything, I wanted to. I really want to defend um, Reese Olsen. Mm -hmm. I, I, I really want to spend a minute defending Reese Olsen because he took over for Kutsi uh, in the second. And uh, the first two wings of work he had, they were actually really efficient. It's uh, I can't remember exactly what happened, but there was like a, I'm not going to say a botch play to second base. Mm -hmm. I want to say. I, th I think it was Carpio at second base, but yeah, it's, something didn't go right there. And I, might have shaken him up a bit. He struck out two after that, though. But there's always plays that you want to be made during an inning, and I think that unfortunately that third inning just got away from him a little bit. But overall, it's it was it was a good outing for him. Yeah, I was a little bit curious why they did went with Kuzia as an opener. I, I don't know because Olsen started earlier in the week. I, I don't yeah, know. started on yeah, he started on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what exactly was going on there, but. Uh... Olsen, we've talked about Olsen a lot. He, he's got really good stuff. The delivery and the command still need some refinement. I, I maintain that I think he's going to be a really good bullpen piece down the road, but they're going to keep developing him as a starter because he's, what, 21? And you know what? there's no rush yeah. at this point. They, and again, like the Tigers, they're down, what, three or four planned starters this season already, and, and they've been able to get by with some performances from the depths of their system so there's no need to, need to rush into these pitchers which is good it's nice uh, sometimes you gotta let these guys stew a little bit and figure things out but uh, no the pitching staff down there in erie so that erie went they, they split three and three with altoona or they go four and two i don't know um, they split, they split, the, series. They split the series it was like five really tight low scoring games a couple of them i think went to extras and then one blowout which is always funny but yeah we, we adam wolf and austin bergner continue to just like quietly do their job. I think they both went five and only gave up one earned run. Marcus Solbach, the veteran, I want to say he was like almost perfect through four innings. Like no hits, I think maybe one walk. Uh, and then Olsen was the only one who got touched up a little bit, but it was two different outings and neither of them was like a blow up. He just, none of these guys are, are being allowed to pitch more than five innings this year. It's I think it's part of the new organizational philosophy. We saw, we touched on it when we were down in West Michigan. Wilmer Flores threw 30 pitches in the first inning, and they just took him. They were like, that's it. No more than 30. That's it I'm gonna have a, I'm going to be uh, going off on that here shortly. But well, it, It's just their new philosophy. We, we talked about it. these are all Dodgers guys. We saw it last year with Clayton Beater and Landon Knack and some of the other guys, Bobby Miller. Like they were the Dodgers. The Loons pitchers would only get like one to two innings a game. And I don't know what the reason for that is, other than you don't want to waste bullets. But we saw, we've seen it with the Tigers all year in, in the minors. And then 
I watched Joey Estes, a 20-year-old pitcher for the A's, for the Lansing Lugnuts. He pitched six innings in uh, in one of the doubleheader games. And it's like, all right, well, they clearly don't believe in babying these arms this way. So it's just different organizational philosophies. But yeah, I think the Erie pitching staff as a whole has done pretty well lately. They, with, with even with the lack of offense, they are. I think they're only a game out of first place right now. Yeah. yeah I mean, and they, yeah. Go ahead, David. No, I also. I also want to give some love to uh, Alex Powers as well. It's like, I'll nominate him for Double A Farmer of the Game. But yeah, it's like two two innings, two innings, five strikeouts. Like he had a walk, but still, it's that's that's not going to go unnoticed. And I think um, Chris, if it hadn't been for the the uh, two inning rule, I, I think that's de facto what you're going to call it. It. Hmm. I, I think he should have gone back out for the ninth. Or yeah, it's it's. Pretty pretty decent outing for him. You got you really got to appreciate that. Yeah, considering he's been getting touched up pretty much yeah, since right. he, he arrived. Actually, yeah, earlier this week, I think Raj that I was like he's going to get cut because I think he had three really rough outings. So that's nice to see. Yeah, you know, and, and yeah, I know he got again, um, me, uh, the knee jerk reaction sometimes when you look at a guy not performing a little bit, and, and sometimes you you got to sit and watch what they're actually doing. And like like you said, David, you saw what happened with the results and. The stats can look ugly sometimes, and it doesn't always mean that they pitch poorly. It's sometimes bad luck. The ball hits a bag. The, sometimes a, a good stat line is lying about something that wasn't so great. So, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, um, it, but those two two of the three strikeouts that Olson had. It's if you go back and look at the spread, that's like, um sure the the hitters were working the count previously. I can't remember who the hitters were, but like still. He was a bulldog through both of those strikeouts. It's like he really battled through it, and I think he got to a full count on one, if not both of them. But yeah, it's like when you can really, when you really know how to work through a net bat like that and come up with a strikeout, that's honorable. Yeah, especially when for uh, one of the things that we talked about with Greg last week is that every single pitcher has a game plan to stick to, and they always have some sort of thing they're working on. So the C what their work, what whatever their approach you're working on for the day, come through and, and help out. That goes a long way, especially on the development side of things. But uh, as far as the hitting up today, Dingler's hitting streak stopped, so he did not get a hit today. But it was up to what nine games, Chris? Nine games, yeah. And yeah, he must have raised his average by 100 points or so because it was a lot of multi hit games, too. Yeah, so he so at the beginning of May, he came in with a 214 batting average. His, he started a hitting streak actually in on April 28th. And then after that, he's gone from a 214 now to 274. He's batting 440 for the month. And it, uh, I'll go to you, David, here in a second. But Chris, one of the things I have noticed about him is that it's not just for not just singles. It's He's got a couple doubles in there. The home runs haven't come yet, but a lot of line drive power. Yeah, I think Greg mentioned it to us last week he had started to see dingler really take an, an opposite field approach more and we he's always hit to the opposite field to a certain degree we saw a great opposite field home run he hit last year at a game to tie it uh but he seems to have taken that to heart and yeah, it's been really nice to see because he was a guy we were a little bit worried about in terms of his offensive production just hadn't been there in, in the double a level for the most part but yeah he's what i think four doubles this week not a maybe a home run maybe not, not a ton of power but Putting the ball in play is, is important for a guy like him because he does hit a lot of line drives. So it's just it was nice to see, and it was a really cool moment there when 
he was able to take on Kyle Nicholas, who's actually has been his friend since like third grade. They were on the high school baseball team together. And so to see him, he got an RBI off of him in a game. It may have been the game winning RBI or maybe not. It may have been put him up one nothing, but uh, it's a cool week for him. He, it's still, he's not walking a ton. He's striking out a fair amount, but we'll take any sort of offensive production from him at this point. What were yeah, your thoughts on what were your thoughts on him, David? Yeah. The big thing is that I wanna that I wanna preach about Dingler is like you look at uh, even especially for catchers, it's like yeah, I know he, he was started he, he was starting at DH today, but when you're a catcher, you're always you always have to work on just like a little bit more than than your average position player. It's like, speaking is even though I only caught a handful of games in my life, it's like you can by your third or fourth at bat in a game, it's like you your back is starting to get sore a little bit, and uh, your the legs are feeling like jelly by the end of the game. But still, it's you see him. He has like, I want to say it's like a three forty OBP right now. Like he's getting on base. Like you mentioned, Chris, he's driving the ball pretty well. And like the walks, I, I'd like to see him get walked a little bit more. I think he has like six walks to thirty strikeouts. But yeah, it's like, you really got to appreciate that as a catcher because like. There's so much more conditioning and like so much more preparation that you have to do before start that you appreciate. Even though, yeah, he had he went over four or three strikeouts today. Like he still had a pretty good stretch and hope that he can keep it consistent. Yeah, and you talk about the preparation of being a catcher. In terms of why he's such a great phenomenal athlete, just I mean, the worst was catching a back to back doubleheader. Like just I'm doing tournament plays. A tournament on Saturday, catch a game, I catch two games, and I catch another two games after that. And before you knew it, I smelled like BO and I was dripping in sweat. And during one of the, it sucks in the summertime because you're like 80 degrees and you're wearing, this is back in the day when they had the old, not the hockey style ones, but just the round typical cages. And and you're breathing and it's right in your face. And I was a lot, I was a little skinnier then, but good lord, I felt like I sweated. And but then I would have to go out. And sometimes I would, I don't want to say I, I was, I was hoping the coach would go, look, hey, why don't you play the uh, right field here or, or center field or something to that effect? Because when you do that after a while, it, it was no surprise my knees were done by, I mean, to compound that with cross country and soccer, my knees were shot by the end of 12th grade. But anyway, not anything there, there. But as far as offensive performance, Chris, I'm sorry, we're going to add anything else before? Yeah, just, just a Davis point. Yeah, the, the, Ask any of the coaches in the system, and they're going to want Dingler to work on his defense and, and offense come second. They, I'm sure they want him to hit, but they want him to you know, control the pitching staff. And uh, we didn't even mention Garrett Hill, who Dingler didn't oh, catch that game. But Garrett Hill had a, a, his second 10 strikeout game this year. He's now sixth in the minor leagues in strikeout rate at 42.9%. And the other f- five dudes ahead of him are all in, in A ball. None of them are in double A. And what's weird about him is a lot of the strikeouts just come on fastballs, just fastballs like right above the belt and nobody can hit it for some reason. And I feel like that's not going to work at AAA and above. But at some point when you're just dominating like this, you do feel like a guy like that is going to get called up to AAA. Yeah, and um, Garrett Hill, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't he was getting noticed in Toledo a few years ago, wasn't he? I want to say like he made – it was Jacoby Jones and another – I wasn't at Garrett Hill. They were both like they both went to the fall Arizona Fall League. I want to say. Oh, you know, Garrett Hill did go to uh, last year to the Arizona Fall League. He made 
he didn't quite make he he made quite the impression in the Arizona Fall League this past year and was rule five anybody could have picked him up, but because the way the collective bargaining agreement, they just decided to cancel the idea of having the rule five draft. But you're right. He was there this just past summer or just past fall. And had a really yeah. good showing. He's never pitched in Toledo. He may have been up. I don't know if he was with the like the the summer camp or whatever it was, the alternate site last year. But uh, so I, yeah, I don't know if that's who you're referencing there, or if you, maybe or it's Logan or something else you're confused with. I may have mixed up my former Tigers prospects. Excuse me, but yeah, um... no, that's fine. There, there was uh, I remember there was Grayson Long. Was that a guy who uh, came over in an Angels deal and then yes. got hurt? Yes. Ian Kinsler trade, wasn't he? Was yeah, I believe so. Either the Kinsler yeah. trade or the other trade. Tremont, Tremont Gummer and Grayson Long. I was upset about Grayson Long because he was a, he wasn't going to light up the radar gun, but he had a, I, I, if memory serves, he had a really good curveball, and like, he wasn't he gave the fastball a lot of ride, and he could really spot it, and uh, it's just unfortunate that um injury got in the way of that, and we never got to see him here, but I, I think he he, he I think he would have done stuff. Yeah, those were you know, so rough trades. We have seen Elvin Rodriguez at least, but Will Hill Hernandez had a rough outing the other day. And, and Troy Montgomery, I think he left the organization like that dude who hopped off the airplane with the champagne and the two middle fingers. Like Troy Montgomery, <laughs> he basically <laughs> left in like the middle of a game and that was it. But yeah, other offensive players, Raj, I think you were getting that. It, it really wasn't. Kerry Carpenter was having a good week before he got called up, but. Uh, yeah. And other than that, it was like the like Carpio had a strong week, I think, and Jake Holton, Navigato had a big home run and a walk off hit, I think. Yeah, Holton. So Holton got called up. I don't know if this was his first week up there. I think it was. Yeah, yeah, it was. You. You, yep. you stole my point. I was gonna. I want to talk about Jake Holton, and yeah, go for it. he was putting yeah. it together pretty decently at West Michigan. It's like he kind of. I just, I was just reading about him recently. It's like he jumped onto the scene in West Michigan. You're like. Who's this guy, Jake Holton? All of a sudden, he's getting he he got the call up to Erie recently. He has a handful of games there right now, and he's not lighting the world up just yet. But yeah, I think he's a, he's noticeable. Yeah, I, I want to say when I was doing the roster projections for the minor leagues, I actually had him. I thought he would start in Erie because he had a really nice finish in West Michigan last year, and I thought they'd you know put Chris Myers in West Michigan or something like that, but. Yeah, so it's nice to see guys like that move relatively quickly. The other big, we just, unfortunately, really weak weeks, as it were, for Daniel Cabrera, Gage Workman, Parker Meadows, some of the, the guys you're going to count on. But they're all just all or nothing hitters at this point, and it's tough. They're going to have big weeks and going to have really lousy weeks, and all three of them just didn't do much this week. I think they all had an OPS under 400. They so eerie. The guys there today certainly battled. I really hope Andre Lipsia starts to put it together. But yeah, at the end of the day, you can say it was a hard fought battle for everybody. Pitching staff really gave it their all. But yeah, it's just one of those hard fought games that didn't go our way. Yeah, and Andre's off to a rough start to the month of May, and he's batting under 200 currently. He's still getting. I mean, even though the walks have gone down, he's he struck out more times he's walked so far this month. So that's something in terms of total walks he has on for the season. That's still an impressive number so far. 
But this month, he's had two walks to six strikeouts, which is, of course, it goes without saying it's not good. In terms of how many walks, somebody asked in our YouTube chat how many walks he has on the year. Let's see here. He has 22 or so. Yeah, that sounds about right. Let's see here. Yep, 22 walks on a season. But, yeah, but in terms of this month, he's off to a rough start. And it was the same thing with we're talking about Parker Meadows, who's kind of had a he had a couple he had a really good first game. I think it was like four or five walks he had or something to that effect. That five sounds like too much. He had three or four walks. But overall, the the fact that they're able to split with Altuna, Altuna's got again, there's a couple guys in their their team. one of their one of the players I like on there, of course, outside of Nick Gonzalez, who is the number one prospect for the Pirates in their system, is Ivor. Pigru? Leo for Yeah, Peguero. Yeah. Thank you. I've totally said his name incorrectly. I like that he's got good makeup, and he's batting over 300 right now in double-A. As, it, again, it's just some of the, the – I don't know how the Pirates – I know how the Pirates do it. They just get these guys in prost, you know, trades because they give up everybody. And then they got Lolo Sanchez, who also is a nice prospect, I think. And th- I don't know. Either way. Split with the the curve is pretty good. So anybody else that I'm missing here? I, it was, it was, by the way, it was was this strange to anybody that it Chris did not pitch until Thursday. The last appearance he had beforehand was April 30th. I didn't really notice. You never know if somebody's got dealing with something small, like a fingernail or a bruise or something like that that's not worthy of a seven day stint. But yeah, uh, Ronnie, the Ronnie Ronnie Garcia syndrome. Yeah, doesn't you're not ready to to pitch? I, I don't. Know. I, also, yeah, I wasn't. I, I honestly, I wasn't paying that close of attention, and uh, so I I didn't uh, didn't catch that. But I don't know. Yeah, he's been solid this year, but he's also an or guy. Although he was a priority signing for them, it seemed like in the offseason to to sign him as a, a free agent. But yeah, I don't know. Erie's playing pretty well despite having kind of a an all or nothing offense, which is a testament to their pitching and perhaps their catching. One the one last thing I want to touch on before Erie before we before we really splurge on West Michigan is I really want to I really want to give some credit to Meadows because he put up a very impressive at bat today when he got that. Even though yes, he did go one for four with three with no. Yeah, excuse me. No, he didn't strike out. But yeah, he went one for four on that one hit. I was really impressed by it because if you look at the spread for that at bat, um, yeah, I, I want to say it was like five or six pitches. And this is actually the the opposite to Reese Olsen. Like when you're a hitter and like, you start to get in like the fourth or fifth pitch in at bat, like, you really start to get in your head. And especially when you're in the minors, you're like, oh my God, I'm 0 for 3 today. If I don't put something together right now, then what's going to happen? So yeah, it's like you really, I, I really respect Meadows putting together a really good at bat today. Even though he came out with a single, it's that that was something I admired. Yeah, there, the, what I like David is the fact that you're looking at individual at bats, not just looking at box score, which is vital to anybody out there. Like in, which kind of segues into West Michigan, because when we were talking about Chris Myers earlier. That at bat he had, we were, we were mentioning how it was off the, off the, almost like the end of the, the nub of the bat there before you get the handle. It looked like it on replay, but 
there was a couple times yesterday, some of that bats and plays in Saturday's game were, were ridiculous. And that we'll definitely talk about yesterday's experience because Saturday's game was one of the Chris. I, I feel like every time I go to Lansing, it's an experience. I mean, don't you like because like, let's just start with the fact that we went to go see the Tigers' best three pitching prospects at West Michigan, and we came away with nada. Not yeah, I mean, are you, are you the three best pitching prospects in the organization, depending yeah. on how you feel about Jack Job and, and Joe Wentz and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, I, I apologize to Dan on air because I was like, I think it might be our fault. Because I went to Grand Rapids last Saturday to try to catch Wilmer Flores and the game got rained out. And then I went on Wednesday to get Dylan Smith and Dylan Smith was awesome for three innings. Exactly what you want to see. Mid fastball 92 to 95, a couple of good breaking balls, swings and this is not in abundance, but enough. They weren't hitting them. He gave up one hit, but got erased in a double play. The scout in front of me threw a an oil can Boyd a body comp on him, which is a name that probably doesn't register with a lot of younger people, but I thought was an absolute perfect body comp because Dylan Smith is not he's not terribly big. He's listed as 6'2", but he still looks skinny, like he can add a bunch of muscle, and uh, you don't know if he will or not, but the, the velocity is fine. The pitching was good. But then, yeah, started the fourth inning. As soon as they started seeing him the second time, it was nothing but hard contact. And uh, part of me thinks, I think that Lansing is probably just a really good hitting environment. They've got the massive, uh, like, 25-foot wall in center field that must make a, for a perfect batter's eye. But, yeah, he was getting hit hard. And he survived the fourth inning but didn't get out of the uh, fifth. They pulled him after a couple batters. But, but yeah, it ended up being his worst outing of the year. I don't uh, – he was five earned runs in four innings, which is a bummer. And then so Raj goes the next day to go see Ty Madden. And uh, what does Ty Madden do? Not much. <laughs> Not much. No. And here's the thing with Ty Madden, by the way, and this is if anybody's watching YouTube, I just posted the the Dennis Oilcan Boyd reference. He was also in the Expos a little while. And it looks like uh some independent league. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'll stop that. Yeah, Ty Madden. So going to Thursday, Ty Madden looked like he was working on something, as trying to establish the his off speed as the first as a first point first pitch strike, and he was going about 95, 96, Had a, a pretty good, decent. I thought his breaking ball was pretty good, but then when Lance started figuring out the timing of it all of, of him, they started getting hitting him pretty hard including a home run to I mean, it was, it was like left field. And so it, it was from there, things unraveled a little bit, but overall it wasn't his, it wasn't his best outing, but I, I do, I think he was working on something. I really believe that because some of the things that as far as his breaking ball goes is concerned, he threw more, it was a mixed, I, I thought he threw more of that to the fastball. I could be wrong about that, but just by basic appearance to me and Lansing won that game an extra, Extra innings, by the way, six to no. I'm sorry, no. What before extra innings? It was six five. Madden's final line, by the way, he didn't last three and two two one two 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 one thirds innings, seven hits, four runs. One of them, uh, four runs, three earned, five strikeouts. The strikeouts were impressive. They were definitely impressive. But again, he could have been working on something. I I don't I don't know. But that's what I my takeaway from that was. And that was my first chance to see also Chris Myers in action. And oh, leads us to Cole Keith because Cole Keith had a pretty good week, I think. Yeah. 
uh, he's somebody asked a question about Cole Keith, not in our when we were asking for questions, but about about him. Like after a highlight, it was basically like, "Hey, is there something wrong with the swing?" And the answer to that is no. <laughs> We've talked about it a bunch. He has a flatter level line drive swing, but he's hitting 317 now. He's got and his slugging is up to 500. I think it's like 100 points higher than it was last year. He only has two home runs so far. But they were saying the one he hit on Friday night was through a stiff wind, like heading in. There were a bunch of balls that should have gone out that did not, but he was able to get it through that. So he's a guy with above average draw power. He's just going to, it's not his approach to, to try to lift too much. He hits a lot of line drives all over the field. Maybe in the future, he'll learn to, to pull the ball more. They always say that his power is the last thing to come. So he'll, he'll figure that out. But yeah, I don't think they're going to want to do anything with his swing because he's making really good contact and hitting the ball well. So, yeah, that, that was good to see. I don't know if you, you happen to watch much, David, but. Yeah. Yeah, you you look at Colt Keith, and the first thing I want to, the first thing I think of is Colt Keith is uh, who they wanted Kingston Lineak to be. And even, even though, is he still in the organization right now? I, I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, he just came back. He's been playing in Lakeland uh, for the last week or so. Okay, yeah. Yeah, you look at you look at some of the at-bats that Cole Keith is putting together. And I'm, I'm really impressed because I think he's a 2000s kid, isn't he? I think he was born in like 2000 or 2001. I, yeah, I think he might be 20 still. Yeah, he's showing you, – you watch a lot of his at-bats. He's showing a lot of maturity and – a lot of the events he's taking, it's like you alluded to. He's not like his hands aren't starting by his hip and finishing at his shoulders. It's like he's not trying to, he's not trying to hit the ball 500 feet, which is something I really want to, I really respect. And he put that on display at in the game today. It's like, I know you, the three of us are going to fight over who the farmer of the day is for the West Michigan game, but yeah, it's like you can't discount two RBIs. It's like that's. Considering twelve runs, that's yeah. that's admirable. Yeah. And yeah, it's like when you can spray the ball. It's like that's something they asked of Torque before they called him up. It's like trying to drive the ball to the other field, and that's exactly what he did. And when you can, when you're able to touch all fields, that's that that's something I admire a lot more than a five hundred foot home run is um on a one one swing driving it to the driving it to the gap opposite field gap with two outs. Yeah, I think it's a lot easier to get somebody who can hit to all fields to to learn how to pull the ball a little bit more than it is to get somebody who is a, a strict pull hitter and try to teach them how to use the whole field. So it's a great place to start. He's producing. He looks solid, uh, good, good, mature plate approach. So yeah, I consider him one of the, one of the best hitting prospects in their system uh, pretty easily at this point. You guys were still talking about uh okay. Yeah, that's a figure. Yeah, he yeah, the the game I was impressed with most was Friday night's game where he had three hits. He was three for five, drove in two, and he had a home run, which was a monster shot. And there's in terms of where I think yeah, I think you mentioned that question, Chris, about where we could see him in playing beyond in the future. I still think it, it would have to hit for more power for the outfield, but overall he had a really good week, but the wet, the, I, I know Brian Packers picked up a little bit too, but yeah. the rest of the, the offense has been good. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. 
what's odd, they have at least it, the minor league stats are a little bit wonky for the Midwest League for some reason, but the Whitecaps have the best OPS in the league as a team. What? They, yeah, it doesn't make any sense oh. because they, without those two wins this weekend, they, they started six and two and then went, they're on a four and 15 stretch and they just won their last two games. So it was a two and 15 stretch. Uh, and it's hard to figure out why. Dan was talking about this week in Lansing, they, they surrendered eight different leads after they'd taken the lead and the next inning they gave it back like eight times. And that happened in, I went to see Dylan Smith. It was a doubleheader. I went and saw the second game and that was a wild one where the benches cleared in the seventh inning after Bryant Packard hit a, an RBI double and then started yelling at what at the, the Lansing dugout. And I think the, the theory was that they thought he was yelling at the West Michigan dugout, forgot where he was. I don't, I don't know. But yes, the Whitecaps took a two-run lead and then they went out and lost, <laughs> gave up three runs in the bottom of the seventh and it was a walk-off. And they had a walk-off loss, I think on Friday, a walk-off yeah. walk. And uh, Dan was saying that two of those balls were automatic balls because uh, the pitcher took too, uh, too long, which feels ridiculous. So, yeah, yeah their offense, you look at, yeah, Packard's heating up, like you said, Raj. Holton was good before he left. I'm trying to think who else. Perez? Winsel, yeah, Winslow Perez has continued to hit. He had another triple today, I think. So, yeah, I mean, the offense, it, it's just kind of hard to figure why they've been so bad. We saw the first home run from Corey Joyce of the year. We saw the first home run from Myers. We saw the first home run from Josh Crouch. So maybe they might pick things up a little bit by folding in a few more of these kind of older college guys. We'll see. And one one player that I think doesn't get looked at enough that actually put on a decent performance today was Jack O'Loughlin. It's like, Raj, earlier today, I, I mentioned to you that I was excited to see what he had today. It's yeah, three walks, but still, it's like you, you saw that he was getting people, he was getting hitters to just hit the ball into really unlucky spots. And outside, they're going to be outs in the books at the end of the day, but four innings, one hit. It's, I was very impressed by his start. And I remember before we signed him, he was, he was lighting up the Australian league, if I'm not mistaken, pretty decently. And uh, right. no, nobody, at a very young age. Yeah. Yeah. It's impressive to see him putting some good innings together. And uh, another player that uh, I liked was Trey Cruz. He's a, I want to say, he's a victim of very unlucky at bats. Because like I, I don't think the stats show. I, I don't think the stats show appropriately. Trey Cruz is playing athletic ability right now. It's like he, he's been putting together some decent at bats. Just unfortunately, just he's going through a stretch. But yeah. Like I said, uh, I nominate Chris Myers as the player of the game today, even though they're, you, you can talk about Rourke Boyarski in the Grand Slam, which was a bomb. But yeah, it's like I, I say Chris Myers had a pretty decent day at the plate today. And it was nice to see that. And yeah, and Boyarski's Grand Slam came off a first baseman. So like anytime yeah. you're getting an EFAS from a position player, you go, all right, okay. Good for you, Oliver. Yeah, not to mention Lansing. What was it? Lansing continues to do that. Like the, I remember the the scorekeepers were talking about that last night. Was that scorekeepers, Chris? That we're talking about that? Yes. I mean, we could touch. We went there on Saturday to catch Wilmer Flores, and we'll get back to that in a second. But 
Yeah, in the, the game went to extras, and Lansing, in extra innings, just put out an infielder. I, I forgot it. No, Sean, something. He's like a five foot six infielder. And they're like, yeah, this is the first time I've ever seen it. And in tie game, they just put out an infielder. Meanwhile, the Whitecaps lost their starter, Wilmer Flores, in the first inning and still had enough healthy arms to, they even had a guy warming up in the bullpen just in case the the game kept going. It, it almost did, too. Yeah. Yes, it did. It almost did. But, uh, you know, yeah, so two days in a row they used a position player, and, and two days in a row it got kind of ugly for him. But so we went to see Wilmer Flores because – He's been absolutely electric, dominant in his first handful of outings. And we're getting all settled in, set, set down. We get to, Helio's got this awesome radar gun uh, that attached to my phone. We could take photos, all that stuff. And then the Tigers get in. So he has to go do his thing. And he comes back and, and Flores is, is done for. Okay. 30 pitches. Yeah. And it, it, it was, it started exactly like we expected. I struck out the first two batters, one on a, a 79 mile an hour breaking ball, one on a 96 mile an hour fastball. Looked awesome. And then, it was like single walks, single, and he's done. Uh, it was like, that sucks. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Raji touched on it that Erie really needed a win. Or no, not Erie, West Michigan, excuse me. Yeah, they, West Michigan needed one. And you know, it's like, Chris, you said it's like, nobody likes to walk off walk, especially yeah. on the, the pitch clock rules. It's like, nobody, nobody likes to walk off walk. And uh, it was nice to see West Michigan really, uh, really putting it together today and they had a good showing and they needed that. I feel like all the guys in the lineup needed that. Yeah. The trade, you know what Jeremy in on YouTube, he asked, is he throwing weird or my trip it? No, he, he does throw a little weird. He has like a, like a he, uh, yeah. overhead kind of almost overhead kind of. He looks to me like somebody who, who puts his entire body into every throw. Like he has to, he doesn't have the like pure arm strength to, make every throw he really has to yeah it's like he, he cocks his arm back and then just lets loose I don't, there was a lot of talk about him being more of a natural second baseman than, than a shortstop or a third base and, and i don't know he was definitely injured a lot last year too so we don't really know what's going on there but yeah he doesn't have the traditional arm stroke that you would see from a left side infielder sometimes um when you it, i don't want to get into the intricacies of throwing mechanics especially for infielders it's like it's a big thing that if you're used to one arm angle it's like if if you're used to an arm angle that you're taught when you're young and in high school college that they always tell you take throws from shortstop to find your arm angle and even in the minor leagues if they're gonna mess with that at all it's you could see if he starts throwing from the proper arm angle that you want to see for a shortstop the high three quarters is like you could see him just riding it right into the opposing team's dugout yeah it's like sometimes having throwing mechanics like that could just work it's like i even remember him oh god i, I can't remember i think it was i want to say it was like dj mayhew when you saw him turning in double play when he was with colorado that like he would take the throw from shortstop and just like his hand is over his head and just 12 akarka arm slot right to first base good good stuff. i think people are getting really cranked yeah, JJ Hardy was a really good shortstop for a long time and it had an almost over the top throwing motion. So, yeah, it doesn't preclude him from doing anything. It just is a little bit different looking to the eye. But, yeah, I don't know. Oh, but oh, yeah. oh, so, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I wanted to talk, get back to Jack, Jack's start today for West Michigan. And I think maybe it's the fact that he started to get, 
they've been splitting his starts with uh, Dylan Smith. So maybe the fact that he started on his own wasn't after somebody knowing full well how his start was going to go today. I think it really helped them. And, and I, I like him a lot as a pitcher too, because I've, I have a weird thing for lefties and the Tigers really don't have too many lefties in their system as far as starting pitching goes. But overall, I thought he did a good job of mixing spots and, and establishing the inner part of the strike zone, which he's always been known for. So that's good to see. And for the, for West Michigan, especially the bullpen, like last night, Gabe Segura went, three innings, which he never really does. He's usually a two-inning guy, and they almost came back on them after scoring the... That, that was the crazy part about last night. I'm like, no, please. I want to go home. It's The game was over three hours at that point. Yeah. But the either way, it was... Shout out to Dan Hasty for having us on the broadcast. That was really cool. That was... That really... That made my weekend, and that was a... Uh, it was a nice little thing, so it was just funny because... Yeah. You know, they're streaming online now, so it's a little different. They're not on radio anymore. But it was good to talk shops. Yeah, and, and uh, I mean, the, not that we don't go up there to watch the whole game, but the whole point we went up there was we really wanted to see Wilmer Flores pitch in person because it seemed like he was probably not going to be in West Michigan much longer given how dominant he has been. And we just we didn't get a very good look. I, I don't really know what to tell people about that. We saw flashes of what he can do but he also got hit harder than he ever has before, at least at this level. So I don't know what to take of it, but it's still like the, the raw stuff is still really impressive looking. He's a fastball slider curveball guy. He's like a Dylan Cease repertoire. Like he, he may have thrown a change up or two, but it was only 30 pitches. So it's just tough to tell, but yeah, I don't know. We just need to see more of it. I got to We got to catch him again at some point. But before we go to Lakeland, though, there was something that you we were talking about this yesterday, Chris. I wanted to mention on the podcast. I think it was like Lynn Henning, I believe, said that these guys are going to be heading to Erie soon, or could see them in Erie soon. And look, the bottom line is this: I don't. I, I you got to give them till midsummer, until June or July, because the way I look at it right now, the and Greg talked about this last week on the podcast. There has to be a series of moves for this to even happen. But we saw yesterday Flores. That's the shortest outing we've seen all season. He still needs to work on stretching himself out more, going five or six innings right now. And he hasn't gone more than four yet. Yeah. So four once. I think it was three, yeah. three, three, four, and less than one. Yeah. So Ty Man had a show around in two point one here, two two and one thirds innings. It's gonna take some time. So anybody who's out there about this whole you know, call them up kind of thing with that, or if Erie's got a pretty good roster right now, I don't, yeah, I don't see why I rock the boat. That's the key point. Like none of these moves happen in a vacuum. You're going to move a guy up. You have to send somebody else down. And it's who deserves to be sent down from Erie right now. It's maybe in another month or so when some veterans can move on, maybe they have opt-outs in their contracts or whatever, and then you can start filling in. But, there's not really any huge rush. These guys aren't getting to the big leagues this year. So you just want them to get get their innings in, keep developing, and you want them to be challenged at a certain point if they're dominating. But all three of the guys have hit hiccups now, so they should all get at least a few more out in, outings before you know they move on to a, a higher level. Yeah. Yeah, Chris, you touched on it. It's like the thing about developing, especially with pitchers, it's always the hardest thing. It's like, 
development's always like a, it's a marathon and not a sprint. It's Wilmer Flores right now. It's like he, did you guys find out why he got pulled or was it just because just. They didn't say anything specifically. Yeah. I just assumed it was 30 pitches, a nice round number. And I, even before the new developmental changes, I don't think they ever let a pitcher throw more than 30 innings in the minors or 30 pitches in the minors in an inning. At least I recall a bunch of times that, that happened where somebody got to the 30 pitch mark and they just pulled them. So I don't know. I think that might just be an organizational wide philosophy. Although I didn't check and we can talk about this in the next segment about another pitcher who threw a lot of pitches in a short outing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, especially with former fours right now, it's he's you, like you mentioned, they're trying to stretch him out to throw more rings. It's, I'm sure he's like comfortable, pretty comfortable at West Michigan right now. It's, even if you were to call him up to Erie, it's, you got to think that he'd have to get new, used to a whole new facility with a whole new pitching coaches. Like, of course, he'll probably still have his throwing programs and such. But yeah, it's like, like you said, there's no, especially now, it's like after an outing like this, last thing you want to do is say, like, hey, pack your bags and go find a new place to live in Erie. But yeah, yeah just, yeah, like I said, it's a marathon and just give him some time. And I feel like you can get something out of him down the line. Marathons that kind of falls into what's going on in Lakeland. Cause Paul Richen Raton is it started today and uh, yeah, he went three innings, two hits, one run, one walk, two strikeouts. Again, no word where he's going after this. It's just, is it strange to you guys, by the way, that no one has talked about, I, I think, Phil, is it just me or is it we're the only ones that mentioned it? Yeah, Paul Richon is back. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. He he was a top thirty prospect to some people in the organization as a potential back end starter, or whatever. It, it's just guys like that don't they're interchangeable at times. So if he went missing for a year, everybody's like, oh yeah, what happened to that dude? It's not like uh, people asking us questions. Hey, what's going on with Franklin Perez? What's going on with Franklin Perez? Like I, I don't know. But uh, Paul Rishon is eh, he's probably all right. So, yeah, I always get a joke. That's the picture everybody wants to talk about from Lakeland this week. Because he made two outings, but uh, yeah, it's clearly not the case. Yeah, he was the he wasn't the headline, but God, I can't. He was this, he was like one of the headlines of the Castellanos trade now. Yeah, yeah but it's him and Alex Lang were the two two arms in that deal. Yeah. I, I was like, Rickon? Or I say, you guys are saying Richin, or I don't know. I honestly don't know how he pronounces his name. It could be Rishon. It could be, I think it's Richin, but I, I, who knows? It doesn't, yeah, I mean, we'll find out one day and we'll you know, go back and edit it. Yeah. Uh, he was, uh, I think he was drafted in the high rounds. So you see his name on the minor league rosters and you're, you're like, oh, it's that name rings a bell. But yeah, yeah it was, it's nice to see him getting back on the mound today. The, the line looks good. I didn't catch the game for the coin, but uh, yeah, looking at the line here, it's even though you get a run and a walk, it's like the only two hits over three innings. It's like, that's uh, impre- that's impressive for what I don't know how many starts he's made at Lakeland so far, but that's noticeable. Yeah, and what's noticeable, speaking of what's noticeable, was Jackson Job's line yesterday because apparently we are doing this thing now where every time he pitches, Tiger fans come out of the woodwork and critiquing him versus and then they'll put the stat line of Marcelo Meyer, the draft pick from the 
the Red Sox and doing that thing. That that's such it's so childish and stupid. It really is. I feel like people wanting this kid to fail because they want to be right. And again, you look at it's a it's a it's a stat line. Did you watch any of it? No. Shut up. Like it it it, it just look. I wanted him to get Meyer. I wanted to get a shortstop. I'm not gonna lie about that. They picked him. Deal with it. And if he doesn't pan out, then just there's another thing you can add another log of the fire Alavila chance. Perfectly fine. But it's his fourth start. Stop. Just it just every time it's like it, it just it's re- I don't know. I, I think it's just ridiculous. You you want a kid to fail because you want to be right. So bad, it just—it's eating at you. Yeah, yeah, come on. No, it's ridiculous, man. You know, it's like they—you know—and right there, what Jeremy said right there is absolutely perfect. People think they're so smart based off crap they hear or read or never seen. Amen. We're—I'm going down to Lakeland in June. First week, I'm going June fourth or June first through the fourth, and get to see these guys live. We'll go from there. That's it. Enough. Anyway, yeah, I just well, want to get that. The unfortunate thing is Jackson Job became the first 19-year-old pitcher to ever have a rough outing in a ball. It's, it's, <laughs> it's hard to deal with knowing that you ruined your, your draft so badly. With, I, You know what? Like, I understand that the, uh, the, the tendency to want to freak out. I was telling you yesterday, Roger, that I don't like it's getting to the point where I didn't want to tweet out the information because I know people are going to freak out. Like if something bad happens, but yeah, nobody saw it. The only things we should care about Jackson Job really this year are, are getting innings in and, and staying healthy. Now, obviously I, I think it's pretty clear that he's a little bit more raw than most people had expected for a, a number three overall pick, but the story with him was always the stuff, right? You know, it's a, a fastball that's continually has hit 97 in all of his outings. The ridiculous spin rate on the slider, a really good changeup too that kind of gets short shrift, even though some people think it's better than his fastball. So it's just a matter of, yeah, he's a kid who spent a lot of time at shortstop, not a lot of time logging innings, and he's facing professional hitters, and he's learning how to pitch with this kind of hellacious arm that he has. It's, it's going to take some time. It might not work out. High school pitchers don't work out all that often. And, and so it was a very risky pick. It carries a, a pretty high ceiling in a very low floor. Everybody knew that it happened. Nothing that he does now is going to change. Like you can't go back in time and, and pick somebody else. So yeah, complaining about it or comparing stats to some of the other people who were taken is just, it's an exercise in like stabbing yourself in the leg. Uh, hey, good for you, man. Yeah. You really nailed it. The Tigers had a pretty good draft, I think, by the looks of it. We talked about Ty Matt and Dylan Smith. Those guys were both drafted last year. Isaac Pacheco, I, I haven't been, like, a huge fan of his, but he's performing pretty well for – he's also, what, 19, 19-year-old shortstop? They did – I mean, he's not a shortstop. They did get a, a young infielder in the, the draft, too. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, Marcelo Mayer went to, went to the Red Sox, right? Who was their second-round pick? Oh, that's right. It was Judd Fabian who didn't sign. He did not sign with them. So do you want Marcelo Mayer and not Judd Fabian, or do you want 
Jackson Job and Ty Madden and Dylan Smith and Isaac Pacheco. I, I think Ty Madden would have been there anyway. If uh, uh yeah, it, it's yeah. it's just uh, these people are getting really cranked. It's, it's very silly to to overreact, and and at the same time, we know if Jackson Job went out there and pitched four perfect innings with like ten strikeouts, we'd get like eight tweets saying, "Call him up. He's ready. He's ready for West Michigan." And no, he's not. It's going to oh, take well. time. <laughs> Work is hard. <laughs> exactly, Harry Shearer. So anyway, yeah, I like, want more. I want, I'm going to put more Harry Shearer drops, Chris, just for you. But no, I think, and we'll get to see him next week. They'll be on uh, St. Lucie, I think, right? Has has TV feed, so we'll probably get to yep. see him, and you'll get to see him in person in uh, shortly thereafter. So we'll get a better idea. But uh, nobody needs to be freaking out right now on the dude's first year of pro ball. Come on. Oh yeah, no, yeah. it's like, or, uh, sorry, Roger, but yeah, it's like, but admittedly, yes, Roger, I think I'm gonna be in the same boat as you that I was watching the I was watching the draft in my car because I was driving home. I can't remember where I was driving home from, but yeah, you saw you saw Job come off the board, and you're like, you're like, how am I aching everything? It's like, but yeah, no, it's like the the first thing that came to mind was it was Bo Burrows. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he was drafted out of high school, right? He was. He was think, uh, yeah, like, third overall pick, I think. Yeah, but then also you think about Matt Manning as well, which is like you think of the tale of two minor league pitchers where you have one that that ultimately just comes out, it works out, and you know that he could be coming back soon from the rehab assignment. You also see Bo Burrows where, like, he, they were talking about he had the he had a very old, a good old country fastball. And he can really throw it up there, and he can try to hit it. And he had a really good hammer down curveball, but is it honestly didn't work out. And he's known for throwing up on the mound against the Twins. Oh, well, and, that's uh, embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, yeah like I said, to tail tail two tail two pitchers, and if Marcelo Myers works out, I'll be mad every time they come to Comerica. But at the same time, if Joe works out, then. We'll get to prove all the haters wrong. Speaking of what worked out today, Roberto Campos with his first home run. I was curious to see when that was going to come up. I was going to say because we, of course, we can't grab video from it, but I'll, I'll wait for the Detroit Tiger Development Department to drop that tomorrow once they pull it from their one camera, which we did not know was there. But hopefully, the more video, please. That's all we ask. And. But yeah, and hopefully that happens. He'll hit a home run in Port St. Lucie, which would I think blow up Tiger's Twitter. And another guy, Chris, I think you mentioned him last week, but Carlos Mendoza continues to have a good, good stretch of games here. He's just a pest, man. He's a guy that I enjoy watching him. He's like a minor league Altuve, just a short second baseman who gets on base, hits, and and steals. Doesn't have a ton of power. I do think he has a home run this year, but. It, their offense was really interesting this week. They had Christian Santana. He still is not hitting a lot, but when he hits, it goes awfully far. I think he went two for 15 this week, and they were both 420-plus foot home runs. Monster so, shots. So insane for an 18-year-old. He's got power. Yeah, and Campos Campos has been hitting the hell out of the ball lately. Like, uh, we tweeted out, like, he he's another guy who doesn't necessarily have a natural loft in a swing like Colt Keith. He's, he's not the natural hitter that Colt Keith is, but Campos murders the ball he had three balls i think one was like 109 and another one that was 105 and another one that was 99 
on Saturday night. And uh, yeah, and so it was nice to see him finally get that first one over the fence because we saw it in spring training. He took a breaking ball and hit it the opposite field. So, yeah, you see what, just from looking at the data and seeing the dude, physically impressive. He must put on one hell of a show in batting practice. You'll probably get a chance to see that soon. Um, so you see what they like to him. It, it, it's, it's, he's not a complete player. He doesn't walk a ton. There's more work that needs to be done there, but it's nice to see. That's just a fun roster, right? Like you got Santana who's super young hitting home runs. Campos is super young hitting the ball hard. Pacheco didn't have a great week, but it looks like it, and neither did Manuel Sequeira, who's like the forgotten fourth guy down there, but another really exciting infielder. And the key with those two guys is it looks like they just got unlucky because they're big strikeout guys and, and they didn't have a ton of strikeouts last week. So you just, you say that's progress too, even if they're not putting a ton of you know, balls in play or, or getting hits, they're at least putting the balls in play. So they're not striking out. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still excited about that young offensive squad down there. Yeah. Campos had three multi-hit games since May 1st. I'd say something he's putting together, not just power, but just his approach to the play. He has raised his batting average from the beginning of the month from 242 now to three set, excuse me, from yeah to two eighty one so far. Sent three seventy in the month of May. So there's something that's probably clicked for him. You like to see the hopefully the power will continue to grow. As far as pitching goes, I'm trying to think of like in terms of Lakeland's rotation last couple of days. Has anybody stood out to you guys in terms of bullpen or rotation? I mean, the, yesterday's start, or was it uh, Friday? They lost nine to one. And Wickiel Hernandez, from all accounts, from we have some our sources out in Lakeland, told us uh, no, no bueno. He's had a couple of decent outings, but yeah, he got blown up in that one. I think he only got two outs. Garrett Burhan is, is continuing to do his thing. I think he was their ninth rounder last year at Ohio State. He's like five innings, one earned run. He's just been left behind. Brent Herter is down there too. Those are the two pitchers from last year's draft who were still in low A. But yeah, it's they've got some really interesting Latin American pitchers down there too. We talked about that Marcano kid who I believe is injured now, unfortunately. I don't know what happened there, but they've got, it was Eric Pinales, I think throws close to 100. There's another, there's like an Eric Rodriguez. They got two two different Eric's who have the CK in their name. Oh, the guy they got from the uh, Mexico. I think he's from Mexico. Yeah, Mexican, really. yeah. But he's got really interesting spin data on his fastball uh, and, and his breaking ball. So it, it's tough. You never really know about these guys until they – and he's built like their classic Vladimir Pinto kind of bowling ball reliever. So I, I don't think there's anything more than a reliever there, but he's still interesting. So, yeah, it's – yeah, there's just not a ton of – Super exciting starting pitching down there, other than the guy they took third overall. Yeah. How dare the third overall not be lighting up the board at single A yet? How, how dare he? And you know what? It, it, and the other annoying thing is that everybody brings up Marcelo Meyer, but all the talk before the draft was it was going to either be Job or House. Like they weren't really even connected. People were hoping Meyer would get to him. And early on in the process, they talked about liking him, but all the chatter we heard in the weeks leading up to the draft, it was Joe or House. And yeah, so I mean, House is playing well too. And so is Jordan Lawler and so is Khalil Watson. Like all those shortstops are playing well, but that's usually what the top hitters from a draft do in a ball for the most part. If they don't, it's an issue. Yeah, that's that's what you got out of 
Mickey Moniak when he when he after he went first overall, you saw him coming up through the lower levels, and he he wasn't putting up those insane numbers we were expecting. But yeah, it's just like Moniak, Joe might might be like I don't know, like you said, he's only four starts, so I'm not going to say just yet. But it's like you could see him by the end of this year start lighting it up. But Chris, like you said with Joe, it's like you're just starting out minor league camp and you're 19 years old. It's like he's probably, he might be living on his own for the first time. And it's like when you're at minor league facility, you're, there's a lot of stuff off the field that he's got to adjust to probably as well as taking the long bus rides for away games and stuff like that. And being expected to pitch the day after a 16 hour car ride. So I'd say give him some time to get acclimated to that. He's probably on throwing programs like crazy. He's probably being monitored by every coach in the system. So, yeah, I'm not giving up on Job right now. As far as Brett, I was going to mention, the other one I wanted to mention this week was Brant Hurdler, who was drafted last year. Chris is part of that draft class. Lefty out of Georgia Tech in the seventh round. He's, put, I mean, again, I would like to see more of him because you look at his numbers, 25 strikeouts over 19 innings pitched. But as far as, I got did some more eyes on him. He's a little 15 hits over 19 innings, but overall he, he's, he has started one game out of the bullpen, but I, I, that's another guy I'm looking forward to seeing only because it, outside of the lefty factor is just to see another arm out of the bull potentially out of the bullpen. Yeah. No, I thought every one of the pitchers they took last year had some interesting aspects to him, including Herder because Herder was a guy who could have gone top five rounds. I think the year before, but got injured. Yeah, it'll be fun to get to see all these guys on the the app again. It's we only saw some of them once last year, one week of games last year, and we get three of them this year. So excited to to see that, and I don't know. Hopefully, we see some progress and see some excitement out of the pitching. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't think that's necessarily the focus outside of an arm or two there right now. I think mostly it's the bats in in Lakeland, and that's fun. Is, uh, when has it ever been the bats for the Tigers? Yeah, and um, one last guy I want to touch on from um, from Lakeland, which uh, I actually didn't think about. I actually didn't think about it until I looked it up just now. But Carlos Mendoza, who had a day yesterday in job start, but it, yeah, I didn't even realize it until I was reading about it just now. But you look at it, you look at his line. He had a three for four day in job start. It's like he's had a he's had a cold may for the most part this is a guy that has more walks than strikeouts and so especially when you see that out of minor league guys it's that's pretty impressive when you look at a guy like campos who's who's been pretty aggressive like the home run he had today that was on um yeah if i remember right it was on it was only a three pitch at bat and that didn't take very long you you appreciate looking at a guy like mendoza looking at now 17 walks to 12 strikeouts that's that's something you don't see very much in modern day baseball especially like you look at minor league guys that want to impress and you know the thing the way to impress is chicks dig the long ball it's try and just hit everything out when you see more walks and strikeouts it's not something you see a whole lot and i like that yeah He's a guy that even they called him up to Erie last year, I think for an emergency situation, but he's a pest and fun to watch. 
Yeah. And a five, yeah, five seven. He's as tall as me. That's I, I'm not gonna lie. That's pretty cool. That is pretty. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Only because how often you see a five guy like the Epstein's out there in the world, or uh, not Epstein's. What's the guy's Epstein. name? Epstein. David Epstein. Yeah. yeah, David Epstein. Yeah. Jeffrey Epstein. Oh no! Not oh no no no! <laughs> anyway, so we move on. That's about. Do we get any questions, Chris? We did get a fair amount of questions, but we're already at an hour forty in. I don't know if we we want to. We could breeze through if you want to try. Oh, uh, let's. You know what? Let's save the questions for Thursday because Thursday we will be at number. Right. Yeah, we'll be live. We'll be live on Thursday. We'll be live on Thursday. We'll be live Thursday at the Woodward Studios. And sorry, I saw something that just totally 100% threw me off. We'll be live on Thursday. But out there. And... <laughs> oh, this is a comment right here. Right. You all think that Alvila should buy lightsabers for Tiger Bass and Star Wars Day? He should be broken out today and say we got a bullpen day. No. Well, they didn't really have much choice for that. But now, everybody, thanks you. Everybody in the YouTube chat, thank you for. Coming on, really appreciate it, David. Congratulations getting your first show out of the way. And uh, yeah, we'll be at the Woodward Studios on Thursday at starting at seven o'clock. We might have a guest, we'll figure that out, but I'll be down at Comerica. So hopefully, there's some sort of news or something that happens if we have to get down there earlier or not. But otherwise, the series is tomorrow, five game series. Until then, we'll see you next time. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.